Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. Hello, Chris Evans here to thank you for listening to my podcast. This week was the week that Ollie Murs sang in a cold shower live on your radio. Sue Perkins educated us in all things Game of Thrones. The king of podcasts, the fascinating Mark Maron, recalled the time Barack Obama came to his garage and much, much more from the likes of Ben Elton, YouTube superstars Joe Sugg, Casper Lee and Spice Girl Emma Bunton. All of that and more on the way. Enjoy, my friends. Enjoy. Last time he was here, he filmed producer Aussie Nick taking a cold shower in his pants. So naturally, he's back for more. Here to psych us up for the final of The Voice this Saturday on ITV, <laughs> please welcome the poppiest of all the stars. It's Ollie Murr. Morning, Oz. <laughs> I love this now. He's good, isn't he? This is whole new we've introduction. Developed, we've developed the show a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, it's, 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 it's pushing coming. on. I like it. So this Saturday, it is the final of The Voice. Now, you've yeah. done very well this year. How come you've done well? Tell, tell everybody who you have in there, who you have vanquished, who you've beaten, who you've seen off and who you're up against. Well, is of course the final, I can say the voice. Um, Molly and Jimmy are my two finalists. Mm-hmm. It's just me versus the great Sir Tom in the final. How does so. that feel? I'm, I'm excited. It's the first time in the history of the show that, um, that only there's only two coaches in the final. So Jennifer and Will aren't in it. So it's just going to be me against Tom. And yeah, I mean, he's brilliant. You know, Tom's great. He's, he's fantastic. The only worry I've got for me is that, he, you know, he's Sir Tom. He's, he's got such a huge following and he's such an icon, even, even for me sitting next to him. You know, you can't help but just get in awe of this guy. He's 60 years in the game. He's, he's phenomenal. And um, he's, yeah, he's got two great contestants himself. So I'm going to enjoy it. It's going to be a lot of fun this weekend. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm slightly, you know, very happy that, not in in a, in a competitive way that Jennifer and Tom um, Jennifer and Will are just going to be sat there watching us because obviously throughout the whole competition I've always felt like I was like the underdog the newbie the last couple of years so now it's like boom, yeah you have come of age haven't yes. you uh, last time he was here he filmed producer Ozzy Nick taking a cold shower <laughs> in his pants can we just <laughs> that just sounds really weird it's true, just even you saying that but yeah. that's what happened I know what happened, so deal with it I just Ollie Do- was filming. Nick in the shower. Well, were you or not? I was. Mate. So what's so, so what's oh what's, what's the issue here? No, it's not. It's just the way you said it. No, I'll tell you. Again. No, it's not the way you said it. It's the way that I feel when someone says, "Yeah, you were just filming another guy in the shower in his pants. with your phone in his pants." Yeah, yeah. Uh, so naturally, um, Ollie's back for more, for more. <laughs> and, and this time, this time he wants Ozzy Nick to film him. Is that what you want? No, no, I don't actually. But if you want him to film it, you can. Okay. Um, well, he's here and he's going to take a look. So if you don't know about the cold shower challenge, it starts off as a challenge. But we, do, I do it every morning and every night now. Um, it's because we met this guy called Wim Hof, who is a cold shower therapist expert. He's been having ice baths for 30-odd years, 40-odd years. Yeah, he has records for his... Ability to withstand extreme cold. So he can see, he can lie in an ice bath for over two hours. Is that correct? Yes, he can. How about that? That is just insane. I remember you telling me last time, and that's why how we got into the whole cold cold shower have debate. You done it? Have you started? Have you been in training for this? No, I haven't. Why not? Because I've, I've completely forgot about it, and I, and I thought <laughs> and I thought that you guys would forget about it, but clearly not. Do you like anything before you go? You no, like say I'm goodbye, just, I don't know what to I'm, say. I'm, goodbye to your family, or <laughs> I mean, like I, a last meal. Because you know what, I normally have an honest, honest to God. If I go for a run, which I used to, I haven't done since my the Great North Run last year. I used to always. Get back after doing an hour of running, feeling really, really hot. I jump straight into a cold shower and mm-hmm. I do two minutes, three, two or three minutes. But when you've not gone to the gym, you've not done any training and you just go and have a cold shower, it's the worst feeling. Ooh. 
<laughs> I'm just thinking about it. So are you start. You going straight for cold? How did it work with Aussie Nick last time? We did. We did hot first, then we then we flicked it to you cold. Did. And when does the 42 seconds start straight away? As soon as we get to the cold. But yeah. there's a, there's no. Come on. There's a transition period where it, it's going cold still. Surely that doesn't count. Does I it? think it was the screams. As soon as he started screaming, that's when we started. Oh, okay. So we started the first <laughs> Ollie Mer scream. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And after the lag of the transition of the hot to warm to cold is complete and it's actually cold. Your time only starts. I there. want to know what other people are doing. I'm going to check online after this and just see what, what other people do- are doing. They're listening to you is what they're no, doing. No, but right? I mean, what <laughs> the seconds, how long are they doing? Uh, so, Ollie, uh, first of all, can you take us through what, what the, the scene looks like at the moment, please? <laughs> it just looks like a shower. No, no, you, um, well, you as well, the people I'm around. I'm looking around, it looks very clean. I've got to say, uh, it doesn't look messy. It doesn't look like there's anyone in it. There's, right. there's been anyone in it this morning. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm happy about that. Hygiene is important. Okay, now the last time this this the similar thing took place, you were watching Aussie Nick shower and he was setting a new personal best for us here in the yeah. exec shower of absolute freezing cold showering at 42 seconds. And then for some bizarre reason, you you said, I want to come back and do this. I don't know why, because yeah. I am I was just saying to the guys off air, there's there's not many people that would ever come on your show and decide to do a cold shower like me. So um, I'm a little bit mental, but you know what? It's I'm, a, I'm very competitive, and I thought, you know what? I'll, I'll come back and show you guys I can beat 42 seconds. It's not but even also, for charity. Just, actually, I'm always up for a challenge. You never know. I've never done... I've never done this before, so well, let's, let's just do it. All right, okay, so you, 40, 42 seconds to beat. Um, so you've you got trunks on, you've got boxers, what, you, Hawaiian shorts, what are we talking so, here? Yeah, I've got a spare pair with me just so I'm not, you know, I've got, yeah, I'm prepared. So, I'm, preparation prevents problems. Ollie's trolleys, okay. All right, so we're filming this now as well, aren't we? This is great. Isn't yes, it? we are. Okay. <laughs> so you're why in the show. Why am I doing this quiz? Why? I don't know. Why I don't. I'm doing this None of us can understand why you're doing it. We, you, you begged us to come back and do it. You're making up the. Oh, I thought you'd apparently, forget. I thought you'd forget. Voice final apparently is on Saturday. That was some kind of ruse that you got, got back on the show. And, and, uh, so you're gonna. So we're gonna turn the shower. It's gonna be warm, 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 hot, 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 and then we're gonna on the count of three, two, one. We'll turn it to cold, and then when it is officially cold, we start the clock when you're 42 seconds to beat. Are you ready? to go. Okie dokie, let's do it. Okay, shower on please. Shower is on. Okay. Right. Nice and warm. Yeah, it's lovely and warm. Are you ready to turn it down in three, two, one? Three, two, one. To cold please. Now this will be the transitional lag we're experiencing here together. Woo! Okay, I think we're oh, good. Oh. All right, now we're on. Okay. Oh. Three seconds. Now we're cooking. Five Woo! seconds. Six. Oh, actually, seven, you know what? This is nice. Eight. <laughs> 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 oh, 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 She's in a family for five seconds to win four. She's done things I've never expected. Two, well, he's done it. He's done it. The boy has done it. Five seconds. I'm going for 50. Come on. 50 seconds. Come on. He's staying under there for fun now. He's gone completely crazy. This is what cold sharing can do to you, my friends. Get high on your own supply. Rock and roll. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. The best entertainment all in one place. On Virgin Radio. The final season of Game of Thrones starts on Monday the 15th of April. And our next guest has forgotten more about it than you will ever know. Taking a seat on our very own Iron Throne with all the latest on the Seven Kingdoms UK and Ireland tour. Please welcome former carpet cleaner, Sue Perkins. Yeah, but all that can wait right back to carpet cleaning. Sue, tell us what you you know. You say former, I... There's always a very strong possibility I can go back to it. It's, all, it's on a knife edge. So, yeah, my first job was door-to-door selling carpet cleaner. Right. So, uh, I can, and I've used Rug Doctor, I can conclusively... What, do, what is Rug Doctor? Rug Doctor, is, it sounds like a sort of specialist, uh, wig specialist, doesn't it? Um, Rug Doctor is, a, is, a, is like a hoover that spews water and then sucks it up again. Right. So, all the sort of accumulated sort of crud kind of gets sort of uh, extracted and then you see it loitering in an enormous clear vat. So is, is this the, the carpet uh, equivalent of a... Oh, the colonic? Yeah. 
It is a carpet colonic, wasn't it? Yeah. That's carpet what it is. Colonic, yeah. That's yes. what I'd call it the carpet colonic is what I'd call it. It's a di- <laughs> so, so uh, Sue Perkins, um, Seven Kingdoms Tour. Okay, yeah. so we, we're talking about the Seven Kingdoms Tour. This all Game of Game of Thrones chat here. Tell me you watch Game of Thrones, Well, Chris. hang on a minute. Here we go. Oh, seven, no. Come on, my man. Seven Kingdoms of, of uh, UK and Ireland tour. So that's going on. Then you've already done um, the Game Show of Thrones, and Game of Thrones itself is coming back to Sky for the final series ever. Don't cry quite yet on Monday the 15th of April yes. and you can catch up with all seven series right now on Sky uh, with On Demand which I began to do from episode one last week did you now how are you finding it because it's a it's an intense first season Wait, you str- I mean I, I sort of get it straight away I mean, I'm not as, is it sci-fi or is it fantasy what is it Where would how would you couch it it's Deep fantasy. Deep uh, that's fantasy. That's how I'd, I'd call it. You're, you're embedded quite early on. For you on. in Game of Thrones, was it love at first watch? No. I watched it many years ago, uh, on a pla- the first episode on a plane. Right. Um, and I thought, and, I, and a dog, uh, there was somebody not very nice to a dog in it, and I thought, that's it. That's where I'm departing from this show. Okay. Then was sort of pressured into watching it, and then didn't stop. So I love it. So what was the tipping point for you then? The fact that, I don't want to give spoilers for those who want to start at the, at the very beginning. But so much of it. You but put it this way, they're not fine. frightened to take a big character that you've grown to adore mm. in a very short space of time and kill them and just get rid of them and bring another one in. So they're, they're pretty... Everyone is expendable in that universe. Hence all the secrecy around the scripts for the cast that we've heard about over the last few years. Yeah. Because the cast never knew whether they're going to be employed or not employed. In fact, they were all given full contracts so that they didn't know whether they were going to be killed off in the first episode. And even if they were killed off in the first episode, they still got a year's money. There was that important to, to the plot. And, and, and when we started doing the companion show on Sky, it was um, they would say, yeah, we'll give you the episodes in advance, three, four days in advance. And then the more popular the show got, the main show, we ended up uh, with HBO saying, you can watch it that morning in a room on your own with three cameras trained on you so that you can't record <laughs> the material. Yeah. Really? So And now we watch it when everyone else watches it. Thronecast is the show that goes alongside Game of Thrones as it's aired. So... Uh, straight after the main show, yes. we dissect it because it's complicated. Right. There's, everyone's fighting everybody else. There's loads of subterfuge and plotting. And so we just take it to pieces afterwards with rude jokes. Do you host Thronecast? Yeah. So, no, and was there any, ever a chance of you getting killed off? Well, I mean, it, it, you know it's like in television. You, a, you, you live by the sword. No, but you know, I'm just saying, because that would be a nice twist, wouldn't it? Well, not I'm not going to put it out there. Not for you, not, not, for you, not a great twist for me. No. Not a great... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think... No, I'm merely a commentator rather than an active adventurer on the island, on the, uh, in, the, in the Seven Kingdoms. But if you do a show like this or you do TFI Friday or whatever that, yeah. you know, other shows similar to that, you often get young actors on who are, who are starring in something else, like a Bombay Border. Yeah. Say, oh, but they're from Game of Thrones. And so you have to say, oh, right, OK. So lots of people are tuning in that day just because they've been in Game of Thrones, but because so many people have now been killed because it's quite a transient... Career being in Game of yes. Thrones, isn't it? Um, lots have been, lots have become famous, you know, hugely Huge, famous, yes. and then just gone the next day. I know. I who, mean, so who'd, who'd be the biggest sustainable star for Game well, of Thrones? Um, Kit Harrington's been the big breakout he's star, so it? he's still he's still right, in it. See, he's been on loads of shows we've done. So Kit Harrington, Game of Thrones, but he's never been on for that bit. Uh, Thank God, because I wouldn't know what to ask him. Well, he's, his character's extraordinary. Right. I mean, again, I can't say anything because you haven't seen it. Well, so no, I'm he's no in spoilers. the first one, isn't he? He's in the first one. Is and it... also, Bodyguard's in the first one. Yes, Richard, yes. Yeah, he's Richard in the Mann, first yes. one, he loves Bodyguard. Yes. <laughs> but this was like a million years ago. <laughs> <laughs> what I love is that, that the only prism through which you can talk about Game of Thrones is the other shows they've done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And for you, it's the other Alfie way around. Allen. Oh, he's in John Wick. He's in John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, good. So so Game of Thrones is good. Uh, Seven Kingdoms Tour of the Throne is good. Uh, Game Show of Thrones, that's already happened. Uh, Thronecast hits the air again when? 15th of April, so on the after se- the main show. So you can only be on when the show's on? Yeah, I mean, it's a companion show. We, we look, we'd look mad if we suddenly started broadcasting and there was no Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> what has happened to Sue? I think, absolutely I, I, think I get it now. <laughs> I think I finally get it. So there's the big, big show. Yes. We sort of, you know, fire and ice and dragons. Right. And then you sit down with me and we, you know, we go, what the uh, hell was that about? And what do you think of people like us who haven't watched it? Do you think we're idiots? No, I, I think your, your caller was right. You've got a whole world ahead of you. I'm jealous of you. Right. 
I'm jealous First of you. First time ever. I know. <laughs> I want to be there when you see some of these things. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. The sounds of success will always drown out the noise of failure. Author Sebastian Forks, baseball player Babe Ruth and the programmer Bill Gates all had to fail to succeed. Our next guest has re-examined the idea of failure with her new book, How to Fail. Please welcome the wonderful Elizabeth Day. Good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning. That was so just delightfully caramelly in tone, Dave. Thank you. Very mellifluous. <laughs> right, How to Fail, Elizabeth Day. So the podcast came first, Elizabeth. Is that correct? That is correct. I never intended to write this book. You could say I failed to intend to write it, so I'm very on brand. Okay, so <laughs> how did the podcast come about itself? Tell us about the birth of that first. So the podcast started, the short answer is I got dumped uh, in October 2017 and um, I was licking my wounds and I wasn't listening to pop songs because they all made me feel too sad. Right. So I started listening to a lot of podcasts and um, one of the podcasts I was listening to was called Where Should We Begin by Esther Perel and it's this amazing podcast where you get a bird's eye view of couples in therapy sessions and at the same time as that was happening I was having all these really honest conversations with my friends about breakups and what you learn from them. And when I look back at my 30s, I just realised that the times that things had gone wrong were the times of my greatest growth in many ways. I mean, they were devastating at the time, but out of them, I emerged stronger and more aware of who I was. And so that was how the idea of the podcast came about. And I literally did it as a kind of personal passion project to the extent that I drew my own logo with felt tip pens and um, didn't have a clue what I was doing and put it out there, eight episodes, which were mostly friends and contacts. And then it massively connected with people, which was a really beautiful and unexpected discovery. And started as a podcast and now it's a best-selling book and Rachel read the book yesterday. Rachel, over to you and Elizabeth Day. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, Rachel. <laughs> uh, now, uh, when I was reading the book, one thing that really stuck with me from it is a, a sort of a personal mantra that you employ to help you put things into perspective because failure is such a subjective thing. Looking at your CV on paper, you've been a really successful journalist, you've written for all the big publications, you've got books published, you've won awards, you're a big book club favourite. Nobody would associate you with failure, when they would look at that. But you have something in your head to help you keep things in perspective to do with the sun. What is that mantra? Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you picked this because it's my favourite quote in the whole book. And I can say that because it's not actually my quote. Am I allowed to swear? No. Okay, so it involves a swear word, which I'm, I'm not I'm, going I'm to I'm use. <laughs> you're no, you're so anarchic, Chris. This is what I love about you. Um, it's about how you should rejoice in something having existed rather than being sad for it having ended. And this particular author, he's called Andrew Sean Greer, he wrote a beautiful book called Less, and he uses this phrase about it being the sun, the effing sun. <laughs> and uh, he says, you would not think that the sun was a failure if it stopped burning tomorrow. You would think how amazing that it burned for a billion years. So it's about looking back and appreciating what we had rather than being sad Exactly. And you're very kind to say that I, I appear successful. Thank you. <laughs> but at the same time as I was experiencing a degree of professional success, there were all sorts of personal challenges that I was facing. And one of them was getting divorced and um, failing to have children and going through fertility treatment. And actually, again, I, I think you can apply that phrase to relationships. Like, instead of being sad that the relationship is over, I'm incredibly grateful that I had it and that I learned from it and that I became someone who knows herself better as a result of it. So that's really the premise. Now, the book is it's very raw. It's, it's very much about you. It's your whole life from childhood to today. How do you feel having written that? Have you changed how you feel about yourself? Have you changed how you approach things in life? At the moment, I'm feeling really anxious and exposed. <laughs> but um, I'm a big proponent of the idea that showing vulnerability is the source of true strength and true self-knowledge. And that if I connect with one person and make them feel less alone, then job done. So um, I, I feel that. But broadly speaking, it was immensely cathartic to write. Um, I don't think you should write from a place of wanting to have catharsis but if that comes about as a byproduct that's a nice thing so um once the anxiety has subsided because it's publication week um i do genuinely feel stronger in myself and more aware of who i am and it has taught me an awful lot about 
how other people feel about failure. So, for instance, one of the things that comes up again and again on the podcast is that people feel that they failed at their 20s. And that's why I wrote a whole chapter about my own 20s. And I think that that's because it's a very difficult decade of transition for many people. Um, a lot of people would have just left full-time education and then they're going into a slightly messy life where there are no clearly delineated goals. Um, and then the other thing that I've learned that's been really profound, which I think you'll like, Chris, is that you exist separately from your thoughts. And that comes from a lot of Buddhist philosophy. But it's that idea that your brain is an organ and it produces thoughts in the same way that the heart produces blood. Now, you wouldn't think that you were defined by your blood. So why would you think you're defined by your thoughts? You can train your brain to think more positively. And, and that, in a way, is quite a reassuring thing to realise, that even if you had... Even if you never did anything again, and even if you never had another thought, and even if you never felt anxious or worried about anything, you would still exist. So, Elizabeth's um, book, How to Fail, is out now. The podcast is about to record its fourth season. Very good. Well done. Congratulations. Thank you. Will you come on? Um, we'll, talk, we'll talk about it afterwards. <laughs> How many failures you got? Failures do you have time for? That's that's the big, only three. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky, the best entertainment all in one place on Virgin Radio. Dapper Dave, tell us about Mrs. Hinch. You've heard of spring cleaning, but if you don't know about hinching, you're missing out. With 2.2 million online followers, our next guest shows how cleanliness can bring you happiness. Please welcome Instagram sensation and author of Hinch Yourself Happy, Sophie. Hinchcliffe, a.k.a. Mrs. Mrs. Hinch. Mrs. Hinch is in the house. Hello, Mrs. Hinch. What an intro. How are you, Soph? Yeah, good. Really, really good, thank you. I'm just staring at these and thinking, can I put them on? The headphones, put them on. Uh, Yeah, do what you like with them. Now you look the part. That's fine. Now you're like a radio superstar as well as a a cleaning phenomenon. So your (laughs) book, your book was out at midnight. It's now 8.36, eight hours, eight and a half hours after that. It's already number one. Congratulations. Thank you so much. (laughs) If I'm honest, I, I, I can't quite believe it, but I'm so... I'm so, so grateful. Good for you. So how did you become Mrs. Hinch? Well, I cleaned my sink. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds so crazy, but yeah. I created a, a home Instagram account because I felt like I was bombarding all my friends and family with home pictures on my Facebook and I thought they're going to get sick of me. Like, right. I can't be dealing with this. So I created a, an Instagram account, mm-hmm. put, put some photos on there of my lounge, my kitchen, my, and I loved it. It became a bit of a hobby for me. Right. And then one day I thought, right, I'm going to shine my sink and use this certain cloth, put on a bit of, you know, some good music, as you know, good music. And then everyone was following my stories and we all just had, I was like, I'm going to do that, Mrs. Hinch. And it was really satisfying. And what is it that that caught light with the people? Was it it a method? Was it how shiny your sink was? Was it the joy with which you were doing it? How how come? How come they engaged with you? What was the thing? What was the X factor? I think it's the results. Right. And it's having... You know, you've achieved something, and it, and to be fair, cleaning we've we've all got to do it at some point. We've all got to do some form of cleaning at some point in our lives. So, for, and it's always been known as like a bit of a chore. And I don't know, I just I love doing it. I, I've, it's just <laughs> I love cleaning. So now we just have fun with it, and now we're all doing it, and we've all got something in common. So let me tell you about Minky, right? Yes. So so me and Minky via my wife and my daughter. So oh. my daughter swears by... Morning, Jade. She'll be glued to this. Um, Hi, Jade. Jay. <laughs> oh, no, you see her say hello to her. Hello. Have you got a Minky? If not, I send you one. She's got one. Oh, she this is how she, she got one, right? My wife, without telling me, because I have no idea what they're talking about. No. And uh, she, she she scoured the internet for a Minky for Christmas and had to buy one like 10 times whatever the oh, normal don't do that. price. No, but you know that's what happened at I Christmas. Yeah. Oh, do you know what? I felt so bad because people... They, some of them were going on eBay and I was thinking, no, guys, they're... But it's a bit of fun. It is, it's it a is. Bit of fun. You right. Don't buy them from more than they are, guys, because there's more coming out, I promise. What, so for people that know, what is Minky? It's a him to begin with. <laughs> we all refer to him as Minky. We love him. Um, it's a, it's um, an antibacterial sponge. Right. One side is like a honeycomb texture. Yeah. What, the other side is the white, which is his belly side. It's like a bit scoury, you know, mm. and that that's, it's just a cloth. It's a sponge cloth. And what's so special about minky. it? I don't know. I, I used it and I loved him. And ever since I've just, <laughs> haven't stopped buying them. And now. But, but what can it do that other cloths can't? Where did, where did... Don't get me wrong. It can, it's, it's not, um, it's not magical. It's not anything different, but it's just the fact that it's so, 
versatile. It seems magical. Hey, uh, the way is people that the talk word? about it. Uh, yeah, the way, the way my um, daughter eulogizes about it. And uh, I've become so attached to Minky that when I was in Pound Stretcher looking for a couple of barks, I came across an elf on the shelf bathroom. I was like, hang on a minute. That looks like it would fit Minky perfectly. You bought. Minky, a bathrobe. Um, don't you know what? It was a joke, <laughs> but everyone, it was, you know, the elf on the shelf. Yeah, of course. He has clothes. And one day, as a complete joke, I was like, like, Hinches, there's a bathrobe here. And I just popped it on Minky and it, and it fitted him. And now we can dress him up. And <laughs> kids were buying him and wanting to dress him up. It's just, do you know what? It's all fun. It's it all is fun. It is fun. And, and it's just a joke. The first chapter in your book, you talk about your house and how it means everything to you and home and family is everything to you. And that's the thing about the fun, isn't it? Because it's about having fun in your own house with the people that you love and having a right laugh and sort of setting your own agenda and, and how, you know, selling your own story to each other. That's the point of it, isn't it? I think as well, because people get mistaken thinking, oh, just being indoors, I should be out, I should be doing things, I should be... To me, what, what some people might say is a bit of a boring life. Like, you're not doing that much. I, that's the boring life is the best life. I love being at home with a blanket and my candles on, TV on, with my husband and my dog, and I, I, I genuinely couldn't be happier. So I don't know whether I'm doing something wrong at 29, but I don't even like going out, out at my age. I don't know if... Uh, you do, don't you like, do you like going out? I don't really mind because, again, there's more fun at home. We don't mind going out. Well, last night we could have gone out. Uh, we could have gone out for a curry, but we got a takeaway. We got an eat-in, whatever you, how you... And we had a better Same. time. We were... Because we were, the point is, we're talking about you coming on. Um, I've been, I was reading your book over the dinner table, waiting for the uh, for the takeaway oh, thanks. Uh, to arrive. And I was writing notes in it. And I just noticed now, because I write my notes in the books uh, that I have to talk about. And I just noticed that my wife has written me a little message next to all the notes I've written. Look, that's nice, isn't it? Oh, that, cute. And Hello to your wife. I know. Is she a hincher? That's no, of course so she's a hincher. Yay. I'm surrounded by hinchers. I'm not a hincher, but I am sort of by association. Can you be a hincher now? I want to be. I want to hinch. Okay. See, I'd hinch the studio, but it's all—it's almost so clean we don't have to hinch no, the it's studio. It's actually really—it's lovely in here. It's really, really... And I think people think that, oh, Mrs. Hinch is coming, let's clean a bit. And I think, <laughs> no, don't. Like, don't. I'm not that sort of person. Do you have a cleaner? Does Mrs. No. Hinch have a cleaner? No, 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 no. See, no. see I, people the, have said that though. They'll, they'll say one day you're going to have a you're cleaner. You're going to have to because no. you're going to be so busy. No chance. No, don't never say never. Just a bit of advice never say okay, never. Okay, never say never. But I'll be really upset if someone else could. It's like Jamie toilet. Oliver giving his kids fish and chips or a hamburger. You know, it, it's, it's going to happen one day, so you just got to be careful. Or one of those Twizzlers. Oh, one of the Twizzlers. I bet you love those, don't you? That was so good. <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. It's new music from Emma Bunton. Well, <laughs> stop right now now and say thank you very much because her new album my happy place is out next friday here to tell us all about it it's the one and only emma bunter yeah come on uh, wow. fist bump for that and sprinkles come on. That, was, that made up for your rubbish ones all week thank you Chris. <laughs> <laughs> he's got his mojo back david's back everyone Woo! Voice over, David. Back, back, back. You just come so, to my house and like inter- yeah, easy, introduce easy, me. Easy, easy, easy. Back the truck up, Spice Girl. A little bit too spicy for this time in the morning. Sorry. Okay. How are you, Emma? I'm so good. How are you? Well, I'm very well. Congratulations good. on that I love song. your shirt. Wowzers. That's woken me up this morning. This is the first day for this shirt, right? Yeah. Bought it on the interweb. Right, right interweb. Okay. Okay. Is it a vintage? Well, hang vintage. on a second. I went, to, I went to tuck it in and my finger went straight through the material. Oh, yeah. That's what so happens don't buy one of these, shirts. everyone. I mean, it looks great, but I think it's going to fall apart before the end of the show. I was a bit nervous about writing. I haven't oh, written for on. a while. I know, but when you write with the girls, with the other Spice Girls, it's, you know, kind of collaboration. When they're not snogging each when other. Not, <laughs> <laughs> but on my own, I felt like, oh, my goodness. But uh, but I feel like um, I, I achieved something quite nice. So ten songs on the album, written over the course of the last two years. Yes. Uh, Robbie Williams appears. Yeah. Hubby appears. Yes, happy appears. Tell us, tell us, tell us, tell us, tell us things. Oh, I'm so pleased. So yeah, I've got some duets on the album, which is is really fun. My other half, Jay Jones, Will Young's on there, um, Robbie Williams, and we do, we've done some covers, and I've written some tracks as well. But it's all all the songs have got that real '60s feel, which I think I just kind of. But that is a tight now. sound. I like that sound. Thank you. It's cool, I'm so isn't it? pleased. And yeah. I get played on loads of different kinds of radio stations because that exactly. we, we play that. That's radio Two play that. We're I've used to work. A lot. <laughs> yeah, cause, uh, tell us about. T- tell everybody where you have just finished working. 
I've just finished working on a breakfast show on Heart, right. and um, and I loved it. I did it for four years, but wow, it's it's not easy. It's like it... it's early mornings. Mm. I felt like I aged in four years, but it was so much fun. I laugh. You know when you just you laugh, yeah, don't you? For like, it's the best thing in the world. But um, but I wanted to be mummy again and kind of wake up with the kids again and just and get back into obviously you know Spice Girls tour, doing my own stuff, and uh, but I really miss it already. So uh, on your show for the four years that you did it, yeah. Did, who, did you interview people? Did you do all that kind of? Did, did yeah. you have people in all the time? I had loads of people. What's most memorable? Give, give us a Gaga, like... Lady Gaga. For oh, me, because wow. we did a little um, sing song. We did a little duet on the on air, and we and sang to become one, and and it was brilliant. I love her. And then Ed, you know, Ed Sheeran. We've had them kind of all come on. It's been amazing. Talking about two becoming one, that that appears on the album, doesn't it? It does. Tell us, tell us about your take, your new take on that song. Well, I kept it. Oh, you can't change two become one. It's my favorite Spice Girl song. Is what's your favorite? Well, that's right up there. Yeah. I I mean, the thing about the Spice Girl songs is. How would you pick? Once you, once you, (laughs) I mean, they did it in the Guardian. Did you read that bit? No. When you announced, when you announced your world tour. Sorry, well, it is the new Spice World tour. Uh, The Guardian put together the ten best Spice Girl songs. Oh wow! And it was like. They, I mean, they left a lot of... They did it with Queen. They did it with Queen. Oh. They did it with you. About Two oh Become goodness. One. It's right up there. Anyway, yeah, so, two, so Two Become One is my favourite song. And uh, about three years ago, Robbie asked me to come and join him at, at one of his gigs and say, would you sing uh, Two Become... Can we sing Two Become One together at this Christmas gig he did? And, and then I just got so much feedback from it. And when I did it, and I thought, it's my favourite. I'm going to put it on my album. And then I thought, oh, I'm going to ask Robbie to to duet with me on it again and um, he was brilliant he's so professional and fun and I just emailed him and said can you sing on I was going to say how did you do it phone him, text, email I just emailed and he was like yeah great how do so, you, you start that email hi Rob hi Rob yeah how are you <laughs> how have you been ben, yeah how you been how are the kids and then how, how many li- how many sort of lines of context do you have to put in oh not long I'm straight in there <laughs> I'm pretty direct <laughs> and how long did it take him to reply uh, oh, it's straight away. Like literally, I would uh, that afternoon. I think I did it in the morning. He re- and he replied in the afternoon. He's brilliant, and we get on well. So yeah, so that's on there. Will Young's on there as well, who's a dear friend of mine. So he he does a duet with me, and uh, and Jade Mother Half, which was really romantic. Very romantic. Yeah, it's okay. very romantic. Now, do we talk about the Pierce Morgan interview or not? <laughs> it's up to you. No. We just don't. <laughs> we just don't. We can't. Well, we- I think I think it's genius. I think <laughs> I think it's. I think Mel B. Between you and I, uh, I think Mel B. Dropped a gossip bomb, in in this in sort of vintage Hollywood PR style. Because that is, I mean, that's going to be brilliant, isn't it? You know, and um, and I think Jerry and Mel B. Will have to sing "We Become One," <laughs> won't they? Come on, don't tell me that. Don't, don't don't tell me this is not good for business. I. Come on now. You, I mean, (laughs) out of anyone I've spoken to, actually, you know the girls more than me. And Mel B, like, sometimes I'm like, oh, my goodness, what is she saying now? It's the first first I've heard of it. Just put it that way. Right. (laughs) It's the first I've heard of it. Well, who knows what's going on inside Mel B's head at any given moment. (laughs) But did you watch the interview? Did you, how did you find no, out? No, I wasn't there. I haven't seen it yet. And I how long just did it read take for your phone to melt? Not long. <laughs> <laughs> Not long. Lots of lots of uh, texts. Yeah. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. At the time of printing this script, our next guests have three billion one hundred and twenty million four hundred and thirty-seven thousand eight hundred and fifty-seven YouTube views between them. Is that all? <laughs> now starring as a couple of cheeky beavers in the new animated film Wonder Park, please welcome the splendiferous Joe Sugg and Casper Lee. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning, morning Casper. How's it going? 20 of those views are mine. I was going to say, who's, if, it, yeah. if it was a head-to-head, if it was a fight, who would win? Uh, Joe. Joe. Only, only just so, not on Twitter. Casper, you got me on Twitter, that's it. Uh, so for us, YouTube, you know, I'm still trying to get to grips with YouTube. I do love it. Um, I've been watching my first YouTube channels. I got YouTube anyhow, but I get YouTube TV now because my kids watch it and they love it and it speaks their language. When did yeah. you first come across it? You two? Actually, to be fair, when I first started, I used to watch Casper do like these live streams. So I'm like his Spice Girl. 
So yeah, you were, yeah. So Casper saw inspired was he me to there do it. Way ahead of the pack. Yeah, so he was there. You were there right at the beginning, about what was it, like nine years ago. Yeah, that's the only reason. Hold on, what I, age would you have been then? I was. Started uh, I started when I was like fifteen. Okay, um, 15, right. Yeah. Well, in that case, you pick up the story. Why did you start, and who do, who inspired you, and when did you first learn of it? I guess I was I was playing a lot of computer games, and then I would kind of look how to play those computer games better on YouTube, and then I found like there was there was this whole community of people talking about things and uh, showing their lives, and I was just fascinated by it, and I became obsessed and thought this would be easy. I want to try this, so I made a video um, on your phone, or did you make it did you use no, a camera? I, 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 I used to like play a bit of online poker at 15, so I was able to buy a camera through my gambit. What? Oh, dude, I'm really choked on my team. <laughs> when, anyway. the, when the fun stops, stop, kids, by the way. Exactly. Yeah. But don't even start no. when you're 15. <laughs> so I, uh, I bought a camera um, and basically did a video in the bath explaining whether a bathing was more difficult than showering. So this is me having no idea how content works and what it. people want to see or it. hear. Um, and I thought it was going to get hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of views overnight. And I, I came back and it had like three. And they were my views from earlier. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Uh, You're watching okay. yourself in the bath. And what, did you agree with yourself or not? No, I mean... What are these things me being like, oh, I wish I could do something like that. <laughs> <laughs> what was the first one you ever posted? Well, actually, by then, I'd, I'd researched everyone else so I could sort of sense what would, what would be... I don't know. I went with like a standard kind of introduction to my life because I was a roof thatcher back then as well. Yeah, I, I did, I did um, this whole YouTube thing as a hobby on the side. And then, uh, and so in my spare time, I just sort of talk about my thatching, um, showed my car, I had a Peugeot 106. Nice. Show, showed That's that amazing. off. Um, yeah, caught a spider off the curtains. I live in the countryside, so there's spiders everywhere. <laughs> caught a spider, and that's about it, really. Now, I know people who are very well known, and most people would know these names if I said them, and I'm not going to, um, who, what, who've tried to get on the YouTube bus, and they spent a lot of money making videos and things like that. And they've, they've dropped their videos or posted their videos on YouTube, and they have like five, six hundred uh, views still to this day, mm. because what they've done just doesn't work. What's the difference between doing something on your phone and getting 10 million hits and filming something and thinking it's, you know, trying to learn the language of YouTube and then getting, you know, 30 or something. What's the difference? I get, it's like, to me, it's like that idea of having all the gear but no idea, yeah. in a sense, of like, you can, you can splash out and get all the latest equipment and make your videos look amazing, which is great. And I guess nowadays is more of an important thing, but I think when it comes down to it, it is about the content you're putting out. You've and got the three C's. Yeah, the three C. I run my life by the three C's. Consist What's that? Consistency. So upload yep. regularly. Don't upload one video. If it gets doesn't get great views, think, oh, that's it. I'll stop. You've got to keep consistent. Collaboration. Find people that are also uh, into the same stuff as you or that kind of thing. People that you work well with and collaborate a lot with them. And then creativity. Try and think of like the most creative ideas that no one else is doing. All right. Um, okay. uh, Joe Suggs and Casper Lee, YouTube megastars Joe and Casper lend their voices now to the animated adventure movie Wonder Park out in cinemas on Monday in time for Easter. So tell us about the film, boys. Tell us about what you do in it. Joe first. So we play uh, two little uh, mischievous beavers called Gus and Cooper, <laughs> um, which actually when we got the roles, your beaver was taller than mine as well. And we didn't even plan that. It was yeah. like, it's natural. <laughs> And I've, I've been a Beaver fan since I was seven years old, so I was really excited to finally be called up to play one. Kath is a bit of a method actor. He yeah. uh, got really got into the roles. Well, that was three months ago I started becoming a Beaver. It yeah. was seven years. And how do your Beavers months. differ in characters? Uh, they're both pretty similar. Uh, mine's got bent whiskers. All right. My, my, but we fight a lot. I think my Beaver's a little bit more understanding. Yeah. Just in, in yeah. general. But we oh, do scrap a lot. And what <laughs> happens to you as Beavers in the film? So we are part of a girl called June's uh, imagination. So she, this girl called June, she's, uh, she's got this brilliant imagination. She invents this entire uh, theme park in her head. Uh, and we're some of the characters in that theme park. We're like, we're like the performers. You know, like theme parks, you get those performers yeah. in the suits. We're kind of like that, but without the suits. Right, so other people uh, voicing um, characters in this movie, I mean, megastars. Yeah. Matthew, Matthew Broderick doesn't get any better. Yeah. I, if he does, I don't want to know. <laughs> uh, Matthew Broderick, uh, Jennifer Garner, um, Myla Kunis, Tom Baker, John Oliver, who's huge in America, isn't he? Yeah. Um, so he plays Steve the Porcupine. Yes. Any jealousy there? Are you happy with the beaver compared to Porcupine? Do you know what? I, I, I'm happy with the beaver. I think, well, I think we're slowly sort of making our way up the animal kingdom because we, uh, we were actually in a uh, SpongeBob film before that. 
uh, a few years ago and we were seagulls and we had quite a small part. <laughs> so we're slowly making our way through the animal kingdom. Through the food chain. Yeah. We want to be hippos next. Yeah. You want to go for hippos yeah, next? Shoot for the stars. Big, big animal. <laughs> All right, Jennifer Garner plays June's mum. Uh, Miley Kunis, uh, Greta, the wild boar. Tom Baker, Boomer the bear. John Oliver, as I say, Steve the porcupine. Did you get to meet these guys or did you do it separately? They're, do you know what? They're so professional that they got their lines done way before we did. So uh, so they'd already had did all their bit. So we, but we, were, we could do our lines together, which was good. It's always nice to do your lines with your mates around and yeah, do it together. But I think they were scared but, we might attack them. Because you a, love Mila Kunis. I'm a huge Mila Kunis fan. Uh, never, I actually have, I've seen her once. She was coming, coming out of a lift or an elevator because um, it was in America. And I was going into the lift and uh, I looked at her. She didn't look at me. She was busy. Um, being Mila Kunis, with, yeah. busy with, with her look. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. But you know, so, so this is good news. It's out on Monday. Have you yes. seen? Have you seen the finished item? Yes, we have. Yeah, but when you're actually recording the, your voices, you don't see. Obviously, you only see your little scenes. Yes, and it's in like a lot lower quality, just to for, for ease or whatever. Yeah. Um, so when you see it all together as the actual film, it's such like a, a nice feeling, isn't it? We got to watch it in a. We watched it in a, in a cinema, a private cinema. Me, Casper, and Casper's girlfriend. Yeah. So I was third, nice. weird, I was third weird a bit. But... Does, she, does she have a name or is she just referred to as Casper's girlfriend? <laughs> I like that. Amber. Sorry, Amber. You're just making it up. His name's like Amber, you don't even know what name is. Casper's girlfriend. You, you did that thing where you've left it too long now you just yeah, can't no. ask. <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. The best entertainment all in one place. On Virgin Radio. The Young Ones, Blackadder, Inconceivable, We Will Rock You, Popcorn, The Thin Blue Line, I Could Go On But It Would Take Forever and the interview has to start. With his 16th novel, Identity Crisis, out now in hardback, please welcome the perfectly prolific Ben Elton. Morning, Ben. And morning, Chris, and thank you, Daffo. What a lovely <laughs> intro. <laughs> Just a small smidgen of my oeuvre over the years. Oeuvre. Yes. Now, you've been doing the rounds this week. Um, well, you I... know, all as a, really, just as a plinth towards doing the, well, the, the Virgin Breakfast Show, obviously. Just training, really. Just training up for this. I very much enjoyed the interview in Event Magazine at the weekend. I thought that was, that was a fantastic interview. Oh, right. Yeah, well, I good. I don't that. read what, um, you know, but that's lovely. That's well, good you, if it was. It's funny because you say in that interview that you don't read mm. about yourself. Uh, but then you talk about... Let me ask you the first question. First official question is, OK, did you write this book to scupper the Newsnight neurosis and the professional potential paralysis and paranoia uh, of, of people saying you're rubbish for the first time in your life? Um, not really, no. But I'm just getting through the the, the, the alliteration of potential para- paralysis of people saying paranoia. That was very good, Chris. Go you obviously been giving up it for a go. while. I'm giving it yeah. a go. Um, I, I write everything to do the very best I can. I mean, some of my stuff's been slagged up, but lots of it, and lots of it has been liked and celebrated, and that's. Absolutely wonderful, but in the long run, you can't plan for either. Right. Um, some of the stuff I've I've enjoyed most has been the stuff that's wound up some people, not everyone by any means, but um, in the long run, above all to thine own self be true, Chris. The yeah. one thing I can say about everything I've ever done is at the time I thought it was the best I could do and it was the thing I wanted to do. I've been fortunate right from the start. I was, you know, doing quite well, so I've never had to... You know, I've never had to take a job. I didn't, you know, that's why there was no Police Academy 6, the London Beat, which I was offered all those years. You know, I I do what I feel like doing, and the reason I wrote Identity Crisis was because I wanted, I suppose, to... I, I, to look around again, I've been immersed in the 16th century for the last four years doing Shakespeare comedy and then Shakespeare drama and tragedy with a, a Ken Branagh movie, and I, I, I suddenly I, I look around me and I realise I don't really get anything anymore. Things are changing so quickly that, you know, somebody like myself used to be fairly sure of my feelings and, and, and where I was, you know, what I felt about what was what needed to be done and what was wrong. Suddenly the world's changed radically, wonderfully in many ways, and uh, I wanted to have a, have a little look at it, and I realised that my feelings were that everybody's feeling very confused and, and nervous and people are saying, oh, you're not allowed to say things and we're thinking, really, aren't you allowed to say things or is that your paranoia? You know, oh, things are changing so quickly. Isn't that a good thing? Hasn't that always been the case? And, you know, here we are in this paroxysm of a national, ident- national identity crisis, asking or, ourselves... Or international. Inter- well, yeah, but what is... No, what is the United Kingdom? The Scots don't necessarily want to be a part of it anymore. The Welsh, England, you know, English nationalism is on the rise. Britain wants to say we want control, control of what... So we have everyone up talking about geographical communities, but actually what's really interesting, people, is almost online communities. People aren't defining themselves by their geography, the people next door, the people on the bus. They're defining themselves by their identity and people worldwide who are like them, you know, be it gender, race, sex, veganism, uh, you know, plus size, whatever, whatever you are. And so 
I remember we talked about this before, but it's almost as if the world is now, instead of national communities, it's a kind of archipelago of virtual communities of people defining themselves by their personal identity. A lot of that is good. A lot of that is worrisome because it it creates barriers between people and everyone's thinking it's us and them. Each identity group seems to be almost ready for war with everyone else. I don't know if they are, but that's the impression that's being given. And that's what the book's about. (laughs) That's why I wrote it. Not because I wanted to show people I could still write. And because the world is now virtually connected, if it wants to be, not if it doesn't at all, Mm. uh, and technologically uh, connected, that's good for you if you want to, to get involved in that kind of relationship with a group of people or another person um, somewhere on the planet and who knows beyond. But of course, because the world is connected, it's so much easier uh, to, for, for, for darker forces to disinform the world. Absolutely. And this is the thrust of the book. As if the idea of national identity in a global economy could possibly be a simple issue. Look on the high street. Every single franchise is foreign-owned. So clearly the global economy... There's no concept of nationalism in the 19th century way that some people nostalgically look back at it. So this isn't either side, although, you know, I'm perfectly happy to say I, I would certainly prefer to be a part of Europe, but I think there are arguments on both sides, but they're not simple and nothing simple and nor is identity. <laughs> and I think that, the, that those who seek to say, you know, things are simple and you need to make a choice are deliberately sowing derision and that's why Putin, and I'm not going to name him, um, has troll factories undermining the well-being of our democracy which is the idea that we are all part of the same thing and our humanity is what binds us all and whatever your identity is, your basic identity, is your human and we are all in this together. It's all in there. I mean, the hashtags, uh, the Harvey Weinstein stuff. Yeah, me um, too's in there. Uh, the disinformation. Um, <laughs> I've also uh, read that t- these are all the things you've shouted at the telly at, uh, at home and your wife said, just write another bloody book, will you? Stop shouting at the telly. Well, actually, it's more... Actually, no, it was... I don't want to plug my other thing this year. The novel is what I'm obviously very excited about, but I'm going back on the road for the first time in 15 years. Right. And that's actually what my wife said. She said, you know, every... Because we, we've had three kids and the next just emptied our, our youngest oh. just left this this year he's turned 18 gone to uni so it's me and her and maybe she doesn't want to face <laughs> life alone with me but you know we've please, I've please been, go on tour for a year and a half as, as a writer I've been lucky I've been able to be at home and sharing the upbringing of the kids but now now we, we don't have kids anymore they're grown ups and and it's time she says you're always saying I wish I was on the road I mean frankly when for instance, when, when Boris Johnson suddenly said, after careful consideration, I've decided I've become a, a Brexiteer, you know, after very careful, and I'm screaming at you, you've decided you want to be Prime Minister, that's what you've bloody decided. And, uh, and, and, she's, and she says, I want you to... Uh, you know, she's very said, red, by the way. Really red in the face. Yeah, well, it's very early morning. I know, it's, it's your virgin logo reflecting on my beautiful shiny skin. Um, the, uh, the, the point was, yeah, Sophie said, you know, you're always saying it. She said, you... She's always got very supportive of me as a stand-up. She says, well, you were good at it, uh, you know, back in the day. Yeah, you're right. And you should do it again. <laughs> and so, yeah, I've decided to go back and I've got, I think, 80 dates. Yeah. I mean, she's going to have a lot of time. I just, thank goodness we don't have Milkman anymore. That's all I can say. Right. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. From kicking around the alternative comedy scene in New York to working with Robert De Niro and interviewing Barack Obama in his actual garage, our next guest has done it all. Ahead of his latest set, of UK stand-up dates, let's say Boomer Lives to the phenomenal Mark Maron. Good morning, Mark. Oh, thank you. How are you, fellas? <laughs> Ladies, well. gentlemen, what's oh, happening? Oh, so we know who you are. I've briefed you on who everybody is here. So I've given you the headlines of the people you're surrounded yes, by. Yes, you did. Okay right. you? Does this mic sound normal coming out of the speakers at home? Because it sounds like it's buzzing in my head. Or no, am I just half asleep? Well, you, you said, are you jet-lagged still? Because you said you're a bit tired. I, yeah, I am jet-lagged and part of me is sleeping right now. No, we've done it before. We've yeah. done this before. It sound, you sound fine. Yeah, I, Okay, well then I'll just take it. I'll take it as it is. See, you're used to garage ambience. Now, before I've got to get, people... I've done radio. I know, before. I I'm know. Not a complete stranger to regular broadcasting. I know, right? I know, I know. I, I just know. went off the grid, Chris. That's okay, all. Okay. Uh, now, listen. I've, I've got to get people hooked in on you here. Yeah. I've got to hook. I got. I got to tease. I got to keep people around because you may not have heard of Mark. You may done. You may have done, but you may not have heard of Mark, and you may not be. Yeah, it's part of the world of podcasting. And it may feel, that word itself may feel like a square peg in a round hole. But I don't po- like where this is going. But no, podcasts are now experiencing exponential growth. I mean, they are ridiculous. They are the new sort of smartphone. Everybody is listening to the right podcast. There are the 
a podcast at its best, well, there's nothing better to listen to. There's lots of you know chaff amongst the wheat out there, and, and but they'll 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 perish. Don't worry about that. But Mark's been at it since 2009. Mark, just before we get into your interviews with Obama, your yeah. your legendary interview with Robin Williams, sure. and your other hundreds of interviews, can you remember the first time you ever heard the the term podcast? And what it meant to you. Sure. It was when I was fired from a radio job and I said, what are these things called podcasts and can we do it? Is there a way we can figure out how to do this? I said to my producer, Brendan McDonald. Right. And at the beginning there, that's that's what we did. I mean, we were, we've been doing, we did morning radio and then we did some sort of streaming video radio at, uh, at an outlet in uh, New York. It was uh, Air America. And uh, they fired us. And it, they were kind of dumb. It was a, it was sort of a lefty political radio, and they were, they wanted to be progressive and all inclusive and pleasant. So they, they fired us, but we still had a month on the contract. So unlike regular corporate radio, they just let us keep our office. Right. So we kept the office. We figured out how to do podcasts. We broke into the studio at night because we knew the night tech, and we just started making podcasts and putting them up. But it doesn't hurt if the current president of the U.S. agrees to come to your garage, does it? That doesn't that, hurt. That was years in. It doesn't hurt though. Did yeah, it? you know what's funny about the podcast is I was talking, I did a radio show with, you know, old school radio guys. I did old school radio. I know about, you know, teasing and breaks and all that stuff. And uh, and the guy, uh, it was, he was kind of a dinosaur yeah, uh, in, in the racket of radio. And I and he was, uh, it was right when podcast started. And he was sitting there trying to make this point saying that, uh, yeah, these podcasters, they don't know what they're doing. They don't even reset. It's like, why would you reset? <laughs> the guy picked your show. There's no reason for me to reintroduce who the guest is because they're not. They're, there's no commercial. Yeah, I think he had issues. Where <laughs> yeah. is that guy now? He's still on the air. Is he really? He's good. He's good. I don't okay. want to. He's a, he's a good, uh, right, good so, radio so, guy. So Obama so, pitches up at your garage. Yeah. Well, it's not. How does a, that? How does that work? A casual drop. How does that work? When the president comes over. It, well, there was a, about a year before he came. There was some interest in his staff to, uh, you know, maybe have him do the show. Right. So then it kind of, they were talking to the producer, my producer, every once in a while, every few months. And then all of a sudden they, they were like, it's going to happen. He wants to do it. He wants to do the podcast. So I thought, well, where do I got to go? Do I got to go bring my gear to the White House? Because I can do that and interview him. And, and uh, my producer says, no, he wants to come to the garage. I'm like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> the president of the United States is going to come down. I had a two-bedroom house I with know. one bathroom. You know what I mean? That I had to have to clean up if guests are coming over. So the... <laughs> they, they they start the planning and what happens they send the secret service over about a week before they yep. go through the house they uh you know they figure out where they can put the snipers so yeah they're, they're they 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 had this a is guy. all true this is all true isn't it? What, why would i make this up because well, you're yeah, a comedian. No, well i mean no this is true no, is. so uh they they got to figure out where to put the snipers where to how to protect the perimeter yeah because it's a big deal they tented my driveway yeah uh, so they there was no line of fire and they made they created a carport at the end of my driveway i had to ask my neighbor dennis if we could put snipers on his roof, the guys were tired. It was he was thrilled. It was like a big day for him. Had you asked him for favors before, and what were they compared to snipers on the uh, roof? Yeah, could you could you could you stop with the drill in the backyard? <laughs> I'm trying to interview somebody. Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. Now I heard I heard one time, and I, I think it's true because I think there was, there was a president around uh, when somebody told me this that it cost two hundred thousand dollars per mile to transport the president. Yeah, uh, I'd like to thank the American taxpayers for uh, helping my business. Well, they well they had to close down the neighborhood. You couldn't park on the street, but he did. You know, to his credit. Uh, he he was staying in Beverly Hills, which is on the well. He was staying on the west side, so as opposed to driving the motorcade all the way through Los Angeles to my house, mm. which would have stopped traffic, which is already horrible. They flew him in the helicopter right. to the Rose Bowl, which is a stadium about five miles from my house. Yeah. And I'm there on the porch with all these Secret Service guys. We're all set up, and he's uh, he says to me, uh, "Yeah, we'll let you know when he's 20 minutes out." And then I saw the presidential helicopter with the escorts in the sky yeah. above. I I think he's coming. I think he's close. I think he's <laughs> About ten it's minutes the, out. It's yeah. that weird helicopter with the two rotors. Yeah, either Osprey, side of is it, it called an Osprey? I yeah, don't know what yeah, it's yeah, called. Uh, yeah. Well, the Ospreys are the two planes. That, whatever. He comes over. And we do the thing. It was kind of crazy. He didn't come into the house, though. He, he didn't. We walked. You know what's the weirdest thing about that that whole event was they have to set up these things about a week before these boxes, which are isolated phone lines. 
basically, in case the world ends or Armageddon starts, he's going to need to communicate with somebody. So these boxes are humming along in my second bedroom, and it was just that was the eeriest thing where you just like, I hope we don't need those. I hope we don't have to use those. And there's the whole medical unit that that goes parallel along the street that you can't see when he's motorcade because that's got all his blood in it and everything, hasn't it? That all happens as well. Where did they park the blood the blood wagon? I I don't know. It was disguised. It's not like advertised. Like which truck is the one with his blood in it? Or yeah, where does he go to the bathroom? Where did he get his tea that he walked in with? I don't know. I know I saved the cup and I put it under glass. I have a, I have a paper cup with the presidential seal on it uh, in so my cool. house. Who's on the radar for the podcast? Who's on the radar? Yeah, who's who's coming, coming up? Who do you want? Who have you had whispers about that you haven't confirmed yet? Tomorrow is T-Bone Burnett, which was great. Right. I, well, as I said, I got Jane Fonda coming up. Uh, who, 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 who haven't you done that you might be doing? Oh, my God. That's that question. Come on, I love When this are question. you coming on? You flying over? Yeah, if you, you want, going... uh, try and get rid of me, friend. Try and get rid of me. I love Los Angeles. I love Los uh, Angeles. There's, there's, I've got quite a few in the can, as they say, and, uh, and I can't draw them up. I'd like to talk to Albert Brooks. I'd like to talk to, to Lily Tomlin. I'd like to talk to... There are certain people of a certain generation Trump? that... I'd, well, I mean, you know, I did Barack Obama. Yeah, I can't imagine that... Muller? Would you do Muller? Who? Muller? Mueller? Yeah. Sure. I, it doesn't strike me as an entertaining fella. Well, but it could be interesting. Yeah, maybe if he's candid. I, 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 it doesn't seem like his... Okay, his, so that's his, a no. That's a flat. I, see, I but no, be, but the thing I with Trump is booker, some people, like, you know, the, the, the lunatics that love Trump, they're yeah. like, yeah, he did Obama. That guy stinks. What about Trump? And we've always said, you know, I don't do political interviews generally, but if it's a president and it's a sitting president, if he'll play by the same rules as Obama did, which is we get final cut and uh, there's no vetting of questions. What about the neighbors this time around? Well, I'll have to deal with them. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how positive they'll be, but you know, you never know. You don't know who your neighbors are have you done, until they stick, uh, until they come out of their house wearing a MAGA hat. Have you done Roger Daltrey? Yes. Okay. Have you done Michael Caine? No, I'd like to do Michael. Michael, Caine. he lives around the corner. We know Michael Caine. Well, can you give him a call? We'll let's give him now. a call. Let's Get try, him on the phone. Let's try and book Michael Caine for you before you That'd leave. That'd be great. Michael we need Caine. to do the sport now, don't we? And travel again. Done travel. Done travel. I did Coogan too recently. Steve, he's a genius. Yeah, he is a genius. He is a genius. I bet you have a lot in common with him. Well, I, thank you, but yeah, uh, but no, he's more of a genius than me. I, it was a great conversation. No, I love Steve Coogan too because he, he does. He's not a mimic. He recreates people. Yeah, he's, he's a he's recreator. A shape, a shapeshifter. Yeah, he's a shapeshifter. Yeah, but uh, but Daltrey was great. He was good. I was a little nervous. He was going to punch me but it was good yeah but he's not like that at all he just no. brings that in with him doesn't he and then he parks it immediately but but yeah but you, but you, it's there we've got to wrap it i don't want to wrap it up can you tell yeah can you honestly yeah. let's just keep talking off mic and let people come down and listen yeah good we're on the 14th three and a half thousand people in the building how many people can we get on the 14th floor free croissant yeah fresh fruit wait i didn't get that no, it's out there. Okay, all right. Okay, it is out there. Uh, yes, right. Yeah, L- lovely to meet you. Nice meeting no, you. Great re- talking. Honestly, to you. really great to meet you. Thanks, man. Good for you. Good for you, Mark Marin, king of the podcast. Come on now. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. The best entertainment all in one place on Virgin Radio. An NHS GP by day and best-selling author by night. His new book, Eat to Beat Illness, promotes the power of healthy eating and the positive impact of plates over pills. Please welcome a man. Man that unsurprisingly hasn't touched our complimentary pastries. It's Dr. <laughs> Rupi Ojila. Morning, mate. <laughs> Morning. How are you? I was looking at those pastries, but uh, I, I resisted temptation. <laughs> Isn't it funny? Because if you, I did this once. If you look at food that you want but you know you shouldn't have, you can't imagine having it. You close your eyes, imagine having it, and you can almost have the sensory experience without the bad side effects exactly yeah well I, I actually promote a way of eating that is 80-20 so you want to indulge but be positive and be mindful about when you're indulging and when you're not the large majority of the times that I eat I'm eating largely plants lots of colours and actually something that's going to be keeping me in good health mm-hmm. but uh, I think the relationship with food is something to, that's very important we should actually indulge whenever we when, when we feel the need to yeah the one good rule it's hard and fast it's a bit general uh, but it's, it's not dangerously general it's is fill your plate with the rainbow eat the rainbow yes get yeah. all the colours on the plate yeah and that's actually one of the healthy principles that I talk about in the book actually it's looking for colours looking for fibre quality fats and largely plants distilling like the complicated scientific research into simple principles and actions like that it's just an easy way of measuring how you're, well you're doing with your plates and also from a, um, an endorphin and dopamine uh, issue uh, if you look at the chakras if you don't believe in chakras then you're mad uh, but that's 
that's okay. You carry on being mad on your own. But chakras are real and they have colours. And the, the love chakra is green. And that's why we love nature so much. We love being in it. We love looking at it. We love eating it because green is love. You know, there's a lot to be said for being in nature and actually the wisdom of ancient medicine. I'm a conventionally trained doctor, but I appreciate and I'm very open-minded to lots of different medical disciplines. And actually, when you look at the core values of it, it's lifestyle principles, getting yourself into nature, something I talk about in the book, actually, because I'm, I'm like zooming in into different conditions and parts of the body, looking at diet, but also lifestyle and why environment and getting yourself walking through a green park or breathing exercises can impact your health so, so Not can, will. Will, will exactly. Impact you. Yeah, yeah. Why, why are purple things generally so good for us? What I, is it about purple? So purple is a pigment that we find in a, a ton of different ing uh, ingredients. So purple t uh, potatoes and purple cauliflower, and they, they represent pigments, phytochemicals, or chemicals that we find in plants that might have anti-inflammatory benefits, anti-sugar uh, benefits. But it's not just about one color, it's about getting the rainbow, like you're saying, because that way you can sort of essentially guarantee that you're getting a, a good variety of different micronutrients and phytochemicals as well. I really like you. I like you because, <laughs> no, I do like you because I can tell, because I've interviewed like, loads of people, thousands of people over the years, and I can tell you that you're not over keen to sell uh, your message. You just really believe in it, I can tell. Because you, you're at ease with when you when you're talking about it, you're at ease with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm so confident talking about this because I've done the research, I'm looking at clinical papers all day long, and I, I zoom out and I'm like, this is what I see every day. I'm an NHS GP, I work in emergency medicine. Time and time again, the majority of people that I see need lifestyle and dietary change, not just pills. That's not to say that we we never use pharmaceuticals. That's something I do every day as an AE physician. But the complement complementing it with food is so important we don't talk about it enough as medical professionals all right your book is amazing okay you got to you talk about food specifically for the brain food for the heart food for inflammation mm. uh food for immunity versus you have literally eaten this book yourself <laughs> yeah, haven't I, you? I, thank you for this copy and no I'm, i will be taking it home i think it's i think it's great I, honestly let's just talk about actually should we just talk about some of the food well, sure yeah, yeah, sure yeah, absolutely. talk about my best breakfast bowl this yeah. is making me really hungry this is this is what i want to eat for breakfast right now yeah this is something i do on my social media actually so before i go to work if i'm starting at seven in the morning i want people to understand how they can make a very quick one pan breakfast before you head out the door so you don't have to be like too fancy about it just bosh everything into a pan some butter beans some greens, a little bit of colour there. Let it cook for about five to ten minutes and then you've got this wonderful meal that will keep you satiated and stop you from snacking on like the, the biscuits and the croissants when you're at work. I mean, because I work in the NHS, we have lovely patients and they always bring in sort of like cookies and the, with good intention. Uh, but really, we, we want to be focusing on our plates as health interventions and that's primarily why I wrote a cookbook, actually, just to sort of translate this information to actionable principles. Is breakfast important I think as a meal? Yeah, I think breakfast is super important, but there are lots of different therapies which can um, essentially entertain fasting principles. But for the large majority of people, I think having a good solid breakfast will keep you sustained the rest of the day and you can have a lighter meal in the evening. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.